0: Welcome to Power Fueled Living, Spirit, Soul, and Body. Through Christ, we can thrive in every area of our lives. Power Fueled
1: Living, Power Fueled Living. Welcome to Power Fuel Living. I'm your host, Lisa Hooks, and you guessed it, I'm excited about today's show. Today, we're discussing team building with Blaine Little. You know, as Christian leaders, team building is very important because we can do nothing by ourselves. I mean, let's face it, Jesus had his own team, the 12 disciples, right? So today, my guest is Blaine Little. Blaine, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. I feel honored to be here.
1: Man, you have so much knowledge and um, I love what you've done over the years with your career, with your passions. Yeah. So, tell us a little about yourself.
0: Well, really, long story short, I am a corporate trainer. And the reason why I got into that was I started training other real estate agents in their continuing education. And uh, a lot of people commented and said, you know, you should be doing more than just real estate. So, I've actually traveled much of the country just training on on team building on leadership on on better communication skills and it's something that I've actually started myself so I have momentum seminars yeah. momentum seminars dot yeah. com and I just kinda of travel throughout the southeast delivering keynotes and helping helping organizations uh, keep afloat
1: yeah and so it's very important uh, as we use the term in the marketplace uh-huh. outside of the church for teams to work together in synergy. Yeah. It's important to the bottom line. Yep. It's important to the atmosphere of the company. Yes. And then when we transition into the Christian realm, it's important in churches, it's important in ministries as well. Yeah. And yeah. so talk to us. Tell us tell us <laughs> some good strategies of, of great team building.
0: Well, we, we will, but I, I kind there's a couple of dynamics that I want to talk about in terms yeah. of what's going on in the country right now. Oh, great. Is that five, six years ago, if someone wanted to make a shift, let's say they wanted to move into a new position within their existing organization, or they may even wanted to go to a competitor within the industry, or perhaps wanted to just shift careers altogether, they were afraid to do so because the economy wasn't that great five, six years ago. Over the past couple of years, it's gotten better. Yes. And so you have people making career decisions, shifting. And so now you have a lot more new faces in a company, which is great because it means that the company is healthy, but not all those faces are meshing and getting getting along. So team building skills is just so absolutely important. Uh, I think more so right now. And, and owners and managers are asking me, for guidance and just to give some, some training on, on how to be better coaches as it turns uh, in terms of, of creating a better team.
1: I love what you're saying because, you know, as a business owner myself, and I'm a part of several networks of uh-huh. women, and a lot of our discussion is that we have women who are first generation um, uh-huh. college graduates. Uh-huh who have not had the social skills to maneuver in certain situations, right? We have a lot more minority people Mm -hmm. getting into corporate. I can imagine how that is something that needs to be considered with the, with the team building dynamics of a lot of corporations. It yeah. is.
0: And, and you know, you kind of bring up the, the diversity issue, and that's something that we say is good and that we want. That is a high priority for millennials right now. Awesome. Because if they go to an interview, and they walk through the lobby, and they walk through the office to get to the manager's office. They look around, and if everybody just sort of looks the same,
1: one way they don't,
0: yeah, <laughs> right. they, they they don't typically want to be there, right? Um, so you know, those are things to consider. But it's 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 not just the background, but individuals stepping into a new organization. Ro- they are having to learn the corporate dynamics, the corporate yeah. culture. Yeah. And when you have more and more newbies within an organization, then that culture shifts yeah. and you have a lot of conflict out yeah. of that because not everybody is on board with, with change.
1: Right, right. And also even I would imagine that with new roles, um in, in the in, you, you could be very comfortable in the corporate culture, mm-hmm. but then that new role may not be an easy um, transition right. for some people, right. and so that adds a little static yeah. to the team. And so I'm, I'm very excited about this because we're this is good stuff. We're going to get into the meat and stuff. potatoes of yeah. it. We're going to do this it. This is real stuff, and I mean this is something that happens uh-huh. in the church culture yes. as well. Yes, it you does. You know, ministries, ministries have become big uh-huh. organizations in some cases. Mega churches. Yeah, mega yeah. churches, and you have community ministries, community outreaches. Uh-huh. You know, and so this is good stuff. All right, what what else you got for us?
0: Well, uh, let's go over how a team first uh, is created. Okay. And there's four different stages. There's really five, but mainly four. And a gentleman by uh, the name of uh, Byron Tuckman developed this back in the late 70s for the U.S. Navy. And the Navy had asked him, he was a behavioral scientist. They didn't call him that back then. He was a psychologist. But essentially today we would call him a behavioral scientist. What goes into creating a team? And so there's four main phases for a healthy team. Uh, Number one is forming. Number two is storming, you can imagine what that is. (laughs) Number three is norming and then performing. And then there is a a fifth one called transforming if that organization comes to an end. Mm -hmm. But we first talk about forming and I call this the honeymoon phase of any particular team because everyone comes together if it's a new department if it is a temporary, like a 90-day ad hoc committee or a project management team. It's the honeymoon period because everyone's happy about coming into this new entity. And they're energetic about putting in their two cents worth and and helping the team out as much as possible. But everybody's on their best behavior. (laughs) Oh, that's a great point. (laughs)
1: Everybody's on their That's best behavior. A great point, yeah. But
0: that can many times just be the facade. Yeah. And, and this happens in church groups, too. That can just be the facade. And you might have some people sort of just testing their boundaries with some people just a little bit. And like, oh, I'm sorry. Did I put you a little too far? I'm sorry. And they meant to do that. So that brings us into the storming phase. And this is where you get into conflict. And this is where people tend to more lay their cards out on the table, so to speak. And anybody who felt like they might have been pushed a little bit earlier are really pushing back now. So you have conflict. And one of the things that managers want to do is they think that they want to avoid conflict. Number one, you cannot avoid conflict. It's not going to happen. Number two, conflict is actually necessary for growing a healthy team. So you need people with different ideas to... vocalize their their concerns in different ways and maybe you have the one or two people who are kind of the squeaky wheels not necessarily going with the entire team but you need to hear those thoughts Yeah, and so there is a lot of, of conflict in the storming phase and it's necessary but you don't want to get stuck there
1: right right and I think it's also <coughs> important Blaine um, oftentimes there's one or two people mm-hmm who are just co- completely silent. Yeah, They don't feel comfortable speaking out. Sometimes they don't feel like they really have an important opinion. And then sometimes because of the conflict during the storming phase, they don't want the conflict. Yeah, So it's not just about the maybe the leader not wanting the conflict, but an individual yeah. may be uncomfortable with the conflict and won't speak out. So what would you say to that leader who needs to be able to identify that?
0: Well, I always say that your communication skills are foundational as a leader. You have to have good communication skills. Now if I go back into the church, I can say that the pastor has to deliver good sermons, but the pastor also has to have interpersonal communication skills as well, and not all do. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs)
1: All right. (laughs) I I think and and this is this is this is not necessarily a judgment against them, but you have a lot of pastors who have such an anointing to teach and preach Uh that they do that in a meeting setting. Yeah. Instead of facilitating, instead of having conversation, they're preaching and teaching. In a exactly. in a meeting setting, exactly. so yeah, they need to be very mindful of that as well.
0: So the leader for those quiet, those more quiet people, the leader needs to be able to pull those ideas out of the people who are not saying something. Now, is this something that they're they're harboring kind of a grudge because someone else says something they're absolutely opposed to? That needs to come out. Yeah. But maybe they're just a little shy. Yeah. And uh, what I have found, Lisa, is that many times. The quiet people have some of the best oh my ideas. Agreed. They do.
1: Agreed. And yeah. we need
0: to get them to buy in yeah. to what it is that the entire team is doing.
1: Yeah, their insight and their understanding of certain things oftentimes surprises you. Yeah. Yeah. But then you have to question so, why did you put this person on the team to begin with? Usually right. there's something there mm-hmm. that said, okay, this person needs to be on the team. And so. And if that person agrees, then that's where I would, as a leader, say, hey, you agreed to be on the team, Yep. so I would love to hear your insight, your input.
0: Yes, exactly. But how do you, how do, you do that? And sometimes you may publicly say, you know, Karen, what, what do you have to yeah. say? Or Karen may be the more type of person who's a little bit more of an introvert, mm-hmm. and you may need to pull her to side and say, hey, Karen, I know you have a lot of great ideas. Next team meeting, I would really like for you to share those mm-hmm. with us. So you're not going to know if that person is an extrovert, an introvert, an analytical, you know, whatever, left brain, right brain, unless you establish a relationship Great point. with all of those people on your team. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the things that's, that's huge that you absolutely have to do is to establish a relationship.
1: Let's talk about that for the Christian uh-huh. area you have some leaders who feel like establishing a relationship makes the makes you too common like I've heard people say well I don't want to become too familiar okay. to to people and so you know when when I think about the model that Jesus gave us yep. in in the Bible yep. they were very oh yeah familiar yep okay so you know you have some of these traditions and and um, just patterns that are that are unbiblical that transpires throughout a lot of denominations but when i am talking about trying to develop a team to build some type of ministry some type of organization that's going to be a blessing I have to be vulnerable, I yes. have to be authentic, and That's I have good. to communicate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good, great points yeah. here. Vulnerability is huge, yeah.
0: and we don't like to admit that. No leader wants to say, I'm vulnerable. Yeah. But you have to, because something that you really have to establish is a sense of trust. And it starts with the leader going out on a limb, so to speak, and saying, I'm just going to trust you, the team, and then hope that they will reciprocate. right? So uh, building trust is, is, is foundational.
1: How important do you think understanding your leadership style is to team building?
0: It is, and I think it's very important, and I think that if most leaders are truthful with themselves, they have a pretty good understanding of what their disadvantages or their weaknesses are. Okay. And a CEO doesn't want to admit that he has any weaknesses in his leadership skills because he's the CEO, he's the owner, or he's the pastor, an evangelist. And we get into this rut where ego gets in the way of how we grow our skills. So if there is a pastor who's wonderful in in the pulpit, but he can't talk to people one-on-one and in small groups, he gets into this habit of talking to people and saying, "Lisa, listen here, because I'm going to deliver a sermon to you," and they're delivering sermons all the time. <laughs> right. So it's great for Sunday morning and yeah. Wednesday nights, but but you have to have that those interpersonal communication skills. Yeah,
1: agreed. Okay. Okay. So storming, and what's next?
0: So after storming, you don't you're going to be there. You're going to have conflict. Okay. It's not where you want to stick around. But then after the storming phase, we get into norming, and this is where people start to understand one another's weaknesses and strengths. They start to respect one another. And even if two people are sort of oil and water, they're going to accept, you know what, I think we're just kind of oil and water and that's okay. So we're not necessarily going to mix well, but I still know when I can call on this person because they have a skill set that I need.
1: Now I think you're talking about a very mature person right there because that doesn't always happen. It doesn't
0: always (laughs) happen. It doesn't always that happen. doesn't
1: You have people who will make judgments who will uh, become biased, who will decide that they don't like a team member and they don't want to interact with the team member. Right. they might try to um, cut the team member down when they're speaking. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think that the leader needs to do once that's identified?
0: The leader has to be strong and by strong I mean strong enough in character is that when he or she sees that there's a flaw within the team, to call it out. Now understand, we were talking about norming, but we're going back into storming. Mm-hmm. And there are entire organizations who will be stuck there for years. And people don't like each other. And if you once you get into the norming phase, uh, people are going to at least respect one another's right. uh, strengths and weaknesses. But it takes a leader to sort of call that out, right? either publicly or in private, and say, look, I know you and Bob don't necessarily get along, but I really need you to work on this project together. Yeah. And it's, number one, it's your job, it's why we hired you. And then number two, it's for the betterment of the team.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, sooner than later. Yes, because you know some 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 leaders will think, oh, it'll work out, it'll work out, it'll work out, it'll work itself out, Rarely. and oftentimes it doesn't. Yes. Yeah yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So you have to have those difficult conversations, and and even to talk to someone who's your employee, having those difficult conversations, is conflict. Right. I mean, you are. Look, I I we have to correct this, but once you get into the the norming, then you get into performing where. Uh, it almost becomes second nature that each other would lo- rely on, on each team would rely on one another, mm-hmm. and and that's where your organization needs to be.
1: Right. And so, if you have everyone doing their part, uh-huh. everyone has a uh, understanding of the vision, the mission. They're doing mm-hmm. their part. They're focused. Yeah. Then the synergy happens. That's yeah. when things start leveling out. You feel the energy of getting this goal done, whatever yeah. it may be, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly, and if everybody in the team has buy-in, then that goal becomes their baby, as, their, as the community shares that entity, that project, what yeah. it is that you're you're working on.
1: Yeah, and I think when the problems come up, once you're in this phase, when the problems come up, I think people are more solution-minded, right? Okay. They're not, yeah. mm-hmm. They're not. oh, you know, falling apart.
0: Who did this? <laughs> Who can because, I throw under the right, bus? Right.
1: Because you, you've worked through so many of mm-hmm. the small details. Yep. People are excited. The momentum is there. Yep. So it's like, okay, what it's do we need work. to do to, to fix
0: it? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So if we go back and we look at that storming phase, again, because a little bit more in depth, because that's where, let's face it, that's where the most challenges are. There's a wonderful book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It was written several years ago by a gentleman by the name of Patrick Lencioni. And I... I highly recommend anybody who is in position of leadership to go ahead and get that book. If you don't like business books, you'll love this because it's written as a novel, Oh, so in fable form, but he, he makes his, his points. And in that storming phase, you're going to have five different dysfunctions of a team. Number one is the absence of trust, mm. the fear of conflict, the lack of commitment, no accountability, and inattention attention to results. And those are the things that really make up a lot of the, uh, the storming mm-hmm. that goes on in there. And number one, what I said was the absence of trust. I have actually had people, managers, tell me that they were going to essentially establish trust through their policies and their rules. That does not establish right. trust at all. I, I don't, it doesn't. Yeah. I, yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, that's not yep. <laughs> resonating with me. I don't, I don't understand. But they think that. that's the model in yeah. terms of,
0: of how to establish trust. And I, I want to say it was James Dobson, it's probably not him, but there's this wonderful quote that my, my wife always tells me when I'm, I'm kind of giving a lecture to my, my kids is that rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Mm hmm. Now, that's geared towards teenagers, but we don't grow out of that. Mm-hmm. It applies to adults as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So, so rules without relationship yeah. leads to rebellion. People are going to resist yeah. if nobody likes to be lectured.
1: Right. And then when you have a system of rules, and, and, and those rules are constantly being pushed at you, mm-hmm. then you feel um, emotionally... Yeah. Um, unequipped sometimes or yeah. troubled or and, and the whole idea of making your workplace environment comfortable yeah. and and pleasant not to say you know you know you, we have some Companies that have the massage chairs yeah, <laughs> and all of those that, are nice. but those are great. <laughs> but just to have a a comfortable environment, if I constantly have rules pushed at me, pushed at right. me, pushed at me, you're creating too much emotional yeah. feelings and baggage, and then you know your mind, your 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 thoughts are spinning. Do I re- am I happy here? Do I want to yeah. be here? Should I get another job? So you're almost creating, you're shooting yourself in the foot.
0: You can't lead you're through rules. You're shooting yourself in the foot, yeah. You can't lead through rules. Yeah. And you're exactly right. There's one organization I'm aware of that they come out with uh, some new dress code policy about every other week.
1: Oh, wow. And it's like,
0: well, what is it now? You know? Yeah. And, and need to be less about what the policies and the rules are in terms of what's the vision?
1: Yeah. Where are we there moving? There we go. There we Rather go. Rather
0: than to say... Uh here's all uh, here's a list of all the things that you cannot do. Yeah. Say where are we going?
1: Yeah, and 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 not only what's the vision but here's how you're going to help me uh-huh. fulfill this vision. Yeah. You're a part of this. Right. You're bringing this into fruition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cuz you can't do it by yourself. It really when I hear people um refer to someone or refer to themselves as a self-made, self-made, you did right. nothing. <laughs> By yourself you did not create right. millions by yourself. you, didn't. you, didn't. you uh, did not become a billionaire by yourself.
0: That's right. Come That's on right. now yeah so even if you only include your customers right Someone Some- somewhere along the way helped you right. a, a lot of people yeah uh, helped the you education
1: along the way. you got to do that yeah yeah, yeah. oh my gosh
0: yeah so um, but yeah, a, a lot of leaders think that if they just put out policies that they're actually doing something, and that, that doesn't work. No. So a leader has to, as I said before, you, I love the word vulnerable that you used. A leader has to make him or herself vulnerable. You kind of have to go out on a limb. There's what I call the three C's of establishing trust, three different things that a leader can do, must do. It's uh, competent, compassionate, and conscientious. So the leader has to exhibit technical skill to a degree. I mean, the leader doesn't have to know every little minute detail, but you do have to at least show your people that you are a competent leader Um, because otherwise you might be a nice guy but no one's going to respect you as the boss, so you have to have good management skills, leadership skills, and and it does help to have a uh, a healthy background and even the basics of whatever your field is. Uh, More and more we're seeing doctors who are hospital administrators, but Decades ago, that was, those were someone else. Hospital administrators were not the doctors, but they had to understand the industry. Compassionate. Compassion. You have to show your team that if you make a mistake, I'm not going to throw you under the bus. I'm not going to blame you. Now, I will hold you accountable right, right. and I will, instead of throwing you under the bus, I will say, well, you made a mistake. Okay, to err as human. How are you going to fix it? Exactly. Okay? And if you get into a situation to where I want you to fix it like I used to when I was in your position, that's micromanaging, which I never understood because that's a whole other layer of stress that, that no manager, manager needs. But you have to be compassionate. You have to let your people know they can have an open dialogue with you. Yeah. And you have to be conscientious. You have to exhibit your integrity. You have to be known as someone who is honest. If you're technically adept, the, but people don't buy into your level of integrity, they're never going to be vulnerable it's towards the same. you. Yeah. yeah, and and you've got to have that both ways yeah. to establish that trust.
1: Yeah, and I and you know I think um, leaders have to be very careful not to get out of character, right, because of a stressful situation. Yes. Because of maybe, you know, something has been going wrong for so long, yeah. you're frustrated, you're at the end of your rope, and now you're completely out of character. Because yeah. a lot of people will remember that over all the, the days, and weeks, they will. months, years oh, they will. They will. <laughs> of the good character. They will so you have to be very careful with that during those stressful times
0: nobody feels a sense of job security where they are when they walk in through the lobby and they ask the receptionist how's the boss today is she or he in a good mood or not nobody likes that so you you have to be consistent as a as a manager in terms of their attitude and what your people are going to expect
1: i agree yeah blaine leave us with one more tip and then share your information so that the audience can get in touch with you if they want.
0: You know, I'm simply going to say that um, I, think, I think the larger the group is, your team is, the bigger your church, the bigger your organization, your company, I think you need to have an even closer walk with the Lord. And you really need to get that uh, the word from the holy spirit. Amen. And that's why I say it's it's so important that we pray for our president and mm-hmm. our members of congress mm-hmm. each and every day. Uh, we may not always agree with different points of view, but they need God's guidance.
1: Yeah. And Absolutely. the Bible encourages us to pray for our leadership. Yeah. It does. It so does. we would be right in line with his will. Yeah. All right, so how can people contact you? The best way is
0: you can give me a call, 615-513-6443, or just go to MomentumSeminars.com, and you can find out information. I have a day-long team-building workshop coming up that people can get uh, information about, or you can bring me to your organization, and I can do training there.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great discussion today. And thank you for tuning in.
0: Join Lisa each week for faith-filled, spirit-led messages and interviews that will empower you to live your best life, spirit, soul, and body.